Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. I am so excited to bring this topic to our listeners. And of course, it involves boys and men, but it is from another aspect that we haven't delved into before. And that is life in the military and the families of those who serve. And in addition to, of course, all the things there is involved in raising boys, we can add to that parents, either mom or dad who are deployed, frequent relocations, starting new schools and making new friends, being far from old friends and family, and so much more that we're going to learn about from our guest today. Lauren Tam of The Military Wife and Mom is never thought she'd be a military wife, and yet here she is. She's the wife of an active duty Marine and the mom of a son, six, and a daughter who just turned four. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be here and speak with you and get to share a moment with your listeners. We're so glad to have you, and I'm just so curious. I, my sister's family was in the military. I was never in the military, and I'm so curious. What are the challenges, and how can all of us support military families? You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that I see is how do you cope with these ever-changing life circumstances? You get comfortable and then it changes. You make a plan, you prepare yourself, you problem solve, and then it changes. And this is something that's unique to a military lifestyle in that it's always changing. It's not just one move for your work. It is not just helping your child with one family separation or a longer work trip of either the either parent. It's a constant cyclical events that are happening over the course of, you know, decades. How do we help our children cope when we're dealing with our own stuff and our own mess of, you know, my husband or my wife is gone. How do I cope with that and figure out how to parent and just can feel very isolating sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then how do you help military families? Well, I think the simple answer for that is not to say, let me know if you need anything, but just to assume that they need and say you're thinking of them, message them, and then say, you know, these are the things that I'm good at. How can I help you? How could one of these things help you? Pick one and let me do that for you. There's an emptiness that comes with, let me know if you need anything, because 
they're never going to ask you. They've already been trained in their back of their head to not whine about anything and to not ask for help. And pretty much the house is burning down and they're like, it's okay. I've got this. <laughs> I'll be fine. So they're not going to ask unless you specifically say, here are the things I'm good at. I would love to help you. Please let me know which one you'd like. And that's such a valuable reminder for every phase of life. I'd love to back up a little bit because I'm so curious about your story and what brought you into the military and what compelled you to create a website and an amazing Facebook group that supports so many families. What, what was your journey in that? Well, I learned quickly that you can't help who you fall in love with. I fought it so long. I, you know, I met my husband in 2008 at a wedding, found out he was a Marine, and I was like, this is never going to work for me. I have poured my life into building a career. I'm very independent and strong. I was living in the Midwest. I had been there my whole life, and it was a big ask to even think about leaving all of this life behind that I had worked very hard for. I was going into this idea of relationship commitment with a really big idea of what I may not want or going forward with caution in that, you know, military relationships go up against a lot of challenges. It's not just a regular, I don't like the word regular, but typical marriage that you might think of in your head. You're dealing with serious life stressors, bam, 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 all the time. And how are you as a couple going to navigate not only just marriage, but dealing with these big life stressors on top of that. Long story short, we've been married for seven years now, and it was the best decision of my life. I enjoy spending my time with him. I love being married to him. So it's been a fun journey. Another huge issue that military spouses face is employment. And you spend your life dreaming up careers and with the demands of a service member's job and the rapid fire moving succession that is happening, coupled with separations and you're trying to raise children, it becomes very difficult to be employed as a military spouse, especially in a traditional line of work where you need to go to work from Monday through Friday and then your spouse is in a foreign country and your kids are sick all the time. And how do you keep up with that. And then you get, you know, your two weeks of vacation a year. Well, you just, that all went out the window with your kids being sick all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels heavy, unbearable to even think about following through on your career. I was working 12 hour shifts as a nurse commuting an hour to work. There's no daycare facility that was willing to take him. And basically I would have had to get a nanny looking right. at the wage versus childcare expense. It just felt time to move on from that. And I got a little bored after because I needed more purpose and meaning in my life. Not that I didn't have a lot of purpose in the <laughs> worth where I was at, but I just wanted something that was for me that I created and enjoyed and loved. And so I started the website in April of 2014 and built it from there. You know, it gave me an outlet, um, something to pursue and feel good about myself. You know, I created this, I built this and gave me a sense of pride and fulfillment. And all the help that you have given over the years and support, I, it's, you know, spread across the globe what you're doing for 
not just women, but dads also of military families. And that's what military wife and mom was really about was giving these vulnerable conversations a voice. You know, no one likes to talk about the fact that this is actually really hard. And sometimes it just stinks. And it's okay to say that. Um, It's not okay to necessarily wallow in that and not look for solutions and always say, you know, I am a victim to this. However, creating a voice um, and a validation for these experiences and telling the stories of myself and being vulnerable and creating that safe space that you can share these things Mm -hmm. and we're going to be all right. There's parallels there. You know, that's very much what we're doing um, for parents of boys as well. Trying to share the story, say, validate your feelings. Uh, It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say this sucks sometimes, you know, and you have particular challenges doing this in, in the military culture because for years, the culture within the military, within military families was you do not complain. You do not talk about this being tough because it's all about, you know, readiness for the service member. And so you just suck it up and cope, which is really an unhealthy message for spouses. It's an unhealthy message for kids. That culture wasn't just confined to the military either. I think a lot of, especially at-home spouses, got that message um, even outside of the military. So can you talk a little bit about that, you know, how that culture has changed and how you've come to realize that there is strength and value in saying, this is hard right now. It is changing. We are not where we need to be yet. With the service member demographics changing, that is certainly shifting family dynamics and conversations that need to be addressed. I think female service members are a huge reason why the culture is starting to change because people are starting to wake up and say, this is no longer acceptable within the military and therefore it's, no, it's pouring into the family lifestyle as well. But of course, there are still, you know, the word dependent is... Uh, I fought that so much so interesting. when I was married to a Marine. I argued with uh, somebody at the local post office because, you know, this was the 90s and I was writing a check. I needed to mail a package home. I was writing a check and uh, they would not take my check without seeing my dependent ID. My husband's name was not on the checking account. It was only my name. It was my money from my job, but this was a military town and they were not going to take it without his military ID. Exactly right. There are, you know, things in the civilian world that probably never cross anyone's mind. So for example, when we were living in Okinawa, I could not, our credit card had expired and I could not add on a new card to pay the bill. I was literally trying to give them money without having a power of attorney with my husband's permission to do so. That is the culture that is created through these legalities. And ultimately they were set in place because there's a few bad eggs who kind of ruined it all for the rest of us. And they're doing it to protect service members, especially young service members who may have gotten into a relationship at a very young age with someone who, while they were deployed, you know, sold their house and their car and then took all their money. But there's really just this culture that um, spouses don't work, they're lazy, um, they're in it for the money, which I think is hilarious. Um, 
or the insurance because yeah. there's, you know, and it was so insulting to me because I took a lot of pride in the fact that I had worked very hard to create a career and be independent. That being said, the culture is changing. There's more spouses, I think, working than ever because of online businesses, because of teleworking, because more companies are flexing with the types of positions that they have and technology. I think we have a long way to go. Let's take a moment now and pause for this short message. Pause this episode for a minute. Take out your phones, find your other moms of boys, and text them a link to this podcast. That's on-boys-podcast.com. Together, we can raise great men. We're back. I would like to hear, I mean, I'm guessing many of our listeners have not been in the military and just describe military life and like what's a day in the life what happens on do you live on the base if you live on the base or not what else is happening around what supports are there for a military family sure so i think it really depends on whether your service member is in a deployable unit or if they are in a non-deployable unit that completely changes everything but if you're in a deployable unit the spouse is often experiencing as a service member who is gone for training and workups, um, maybe two to three weeks on and off at a time in preparation for the deployment. So while the deployment may be seven months to 13 months, depending on the branch that the service member is in, leading up to that, they are also gone a lot because they are training with their unit and preparing for that. And the dates on all that stuff changes a lot. And so there's this under unpredictability of what's going on. And I like to often say in our house, mom sets the tone. And so I essentially handle literally everything in our household, whether my husband is home or not, because I do, I manage all the finances. I handle all the kids' school transportation, school choices. I mean, we're consulting on these things, but overall I'm directing our household and I'm planning the family vacations. I'm messaging people about their birthdays and stuff. And I take that whole load off of my husband and take it on myself because it was far more stressful to me to try to depend on him with this stuff. And not that he's not dependable, but he has to go, you know, the military says run and then you run. Like, right. You, have the, you carry the threat, the continuity. Yeah. And so a lot of the parenting structure and framework also has something that I've taken on as well. I think this is a very common dynamic now. I think in the past, many service members also managed all the finances and and it led to like a, a weird, some challenges that are pretty stressful, I think. I mean, I'm just curious too about the lifestyle. Like, are there activities on base that oh, right. meet other families? You meet, at, like what's, um, I think about you know, you're in Okinawa, far away from home. What supports are there for just like everyday activities? And your kids are young, so are there play programs? and that Yes. So there's tons of stuff. There's as many resources as you're willing to pursue. The community, if you're on base, it really depends where you're living, right? Because sometimes you're going to live off base because you just feel like it's a better option. And depending on the duty station, the community may or may not be that strong. In Okinawa, it's very strong because it's all you have. And it's also a huge duty station where there's 30,000, 40,000 
American service members and their families living there. And so when you have a larger base like that, it's much easier to create programs that can support spouses during deployment. It also really depends how active the service member's command is and if they want to take this on and create resources and events for spouses where they can go and network and build relationships. But, you know, I often love the joke that I just go to the park to meet up on some blind dates because it's kind of how it goes. You know, you go to the park, especially if you're a parent, it's easier, I think, to meet friends mm -hmm. and people quickly because you can kind of use your kids as um, <laughs> a strategy for that. So you go to the park, talk to people, and you can kind of feel out and make friends pretty quickly like that. But, you know, there's tons of resources. There's mental health classes, baby classes, you know, getting a job classes. There's all sorts of things that the base provides, sports and activities for the kids. It really depends on the base. It's not a widespread thing. So while we've had excellent experiences, Branches are also different, you know, and, and how does that branch support um, service members and their families? There's a lot out there. I think, you know, if you're willing to problem solve and sort of do some work towards it, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of conversations these days about masculinity and, you know, how we raise our boys. And there are, you know, really important reasons why these discussions are there. And I'm sure you, like everybody else, you've heard the term toxic masculinity, and people argue over the use of that term. But the idea that we ideally want to raise boys who are in touch with their feelings and can express their feelings seems to be where we're headed. And in a lot of ways, this is contrary to what the military has traditionally been, and frankly, what the military has traditionally instilled in and expected in service members. And there's reasons for that. I mean, serving in the military is a tough job, and on a battlefield, you don't have time to get in touch with your emotions, and it's not helpful. But can you talk about raising a son amidst this uh, culture that has certain requirements? Mom sets the tone. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to that. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing that I think is one of the biggest myths out there. When you have a child who's coming to you and says, I hate this school. I hate this place. I have no friends. Why does mom or dad have to do this job? Or, you know, I hate you for bringing me into this. If you can stay there and hold space for this and know that all growth is through acceptance, that you don't have to fix this, that you can validate this, and then you can say your part, which might be, you know, I'm not okay with you speaking to me that way, but can mm -hmm. you think, of, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But just, you do hate this school and you feel like you can't make friends and you're tired of this. If you can hold that space, what actually happens is there's this relaxation that happens inside the child emotionally. <sighs> okay, I don't have to prove to my mom or dad or anyone else that I'm right to feel this way mm -hmm. anymore. Okay, that's over. Now I can move on with better coping skills, which is emotional self-control, problem solving, critical thinking, resilience, and build those skills. When we, you know, when the kid's crying and you emotionally tune into them and just hold space and don't need to fix it or stop it. This whole big thing opens up and the child will literally, if you, this is what I call backing up. 
and it's not backing away, it's just leading them back into exactly where they are in that moment, what will happen is the child will take a running leap. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they will just have these skills. And the next time you move, they'll say, I got this. This is no big deal for me. Um, I'm totally in check with my emotions. When I'm set, upset or I do hate a school, I know exactly what to do in the situation. And so by doing that and just sticking with the emotion, you actually get what you want a lot faster. You have a great blog post. Uh, you have a lot of great blog posts, but one that stood out to me yesterday was um, raising boys to be men, three crucial steps that you're missing. And in that you shared a story, um, your son was upset and was crying. And I don't remember the reason. I'm not even sure if you remember the reason, but as part of this story, your husband, the big strong Marine held him and it was okay to cry. And that's, that's part of what you're saying, you know, boys and our girls too, they just need you to listen and validate and, and be with them. And moms can do it. Dads can do it. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. 
And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. And... From his service member perspective, I think he's seen what has happened to the grown-up men that he, the grown-up men that he works with, what has happened to them after experiencing traumatic emotional experiences on deployment and not going into it emotionally. And the mental health of these service members is far worse because they are not coping with it. Mm -hmm. And so this conversation that him and I have had many times is, you know, he sees it. He sees the point of doing it this way and why it's much healthier long-term mental health-wise and also for the relationship between us and the kids. If you are constantly telling kids what they're feeling is not okay, what will ultimately ends up happening later when you, when they're not young anymore and you can't control them as much is they will find other people to talk to and tell about. And that's when you can really feel like you're losing control is maybe you can relate to this, Jen, in, <laughs> yeah. the, te- in the teen years. And, and, you know, now you got lying and going behind your back and all these things. And those can happen in any situation, even with the most loving and connected parents. Absolutely. Even if you lay that foundation, <laughs> the teen years are about pulling away and you did it, Janet, you did it. I did it. And you know, like I was a good kid, but I definitely lied to my parents about things. And there were definitely things I just omitted. But if your kids have gotten a constant message of, I can talk to you and I can show you what I'm really feeling inside that sets up an entirely different and much healthier relationship than if your kids have gotten the message where I have to stuff my feelings because it's going to upset mom or dad, or it's going to lead to more drama, or they're going to shame me for it. They're not going to help me. And so what I hear you saying is how important it is to lay that foundation early on and to continue that. Absolutely. And it's always a work in progress, right? No relation. (laughs) Yes, it is indeed. (laughs) Perfect. And that's, that's the point. There is perfection in the mess. Because without the mess, there's no growth. And we have to remember that. I know that you and I have that conversation and I can nod and say, that is so brilliant. And I know it is. And then I will go be dealing with my children tonight and there's going to be some mess. And I'm not going to remember it necessarily in that moment. (laughs) That's exactly right. Because your brain is hardwired not to really appreciate that. Um, But awareness in the calm moments 
when we're looking at a bigger picture and when we're willing to look at it, not in the heat of the moment, that never works. It can help us say, you know, that really showed up for me in a way that I didn't like. And I'll go back and have a conversation about that. But I guarantee you, every, you come into my house and every day in the morning, I'm flustered and I'm like, hey, let's get a move on here. But that's me. That's my own stuff showing up because I like to rush and I like to do things fast and I like an agenda and a routine and a plan. And that's not how little kids think. <laughs> that is not how they think. But they'll grow into that, Lauren. They'll have that routine and agenda and plan when they're adults and they'll thank you for it. I was going to ask when. I'm glad you added in adults because I'm not there yet at all. They'll have it. Trust me. They'll have it. All of this also opens up the conversation around resiliency and how we help our kids be resilient. I feel my dad was in the professional Boy Scouts, so we also moved every two years. And it was horrible. And I will say my parents were parents of the 50s. And it was like, you just deal with it. And you never talked about your feelings. And I never got to say, you know, I really don't want to move to Texas, but we were moving to Texas. It didn't matter. And I felt really isolated and alone and had to kind of find my way, sometimes quite rocky way. And I wish that I would have been not only listened to, but also like had some lessons, some skill building around resilience and how to be that new kid in school. I did not have any coping skills or resiliency. And I think it maybe is more profound in the tween and teen years when it's a little more, mm, you're just a little more self-aware and it's harder to enter into friendships that are already in place and new situations. Well, I think the first part is not fixing it <laughs> or telling our kids what the best solution is because the best solutions usually come from the kids themselves. And so from a language of listening perspective, the framework that I use and teach to parents, the first part, like we had just talked about before, is the validation step. You're literally sitting and holding space for the child. And it doesn't have to take a long amount of time, but you're reflecting back to them what they're saying and really getting to the root of what the child wants and validating the want. Then the next piece, and it doesn't always have to go in this order, is you know there must be something that you can do. And you can start to offer up solutions, you know, what options the child could have, especially for a younger child. But then, you know, having that conversation, you know, what could you do about this if you don't have any friends? When you get to a place and you don't know anybody, you know, tell me something that you could do that might work. And then creating this running, um, evolving conversation about different things because it empowers the child to problem solve on their own and you know, start making some decisions um, for themselves. It places them as active participants in life too. You know, it can be really easy to take on the mindset that bad things happen to me and I am stuck in this stupid situation that I hate. Yes. And that may be true. You know, Janet, you got moved to Texas and your friends weren't there and you had no say in that. But by holding the space for their feeling and then encouraging them to brainstorm and think about, okay, what you can do, 
you're subtly reminding them that no matter what the circumstances are, you can do something. Yes. You, you use the word empower and that's exactly it. You have power. So let's think about some options. And I love that you said evolving conversation too, because usually you don't just get through this once and okay, we're done. We're never having this conversation again. You know, sometimes kids aren't open to solutions quite yet. And if they're not open to anything, that means that you just got to stay there, stay there. They're not ready. They want to just sit in this sadness and hurt and that's okay. You know, you think about how many times as an adult where you have a negative experience with another adult and you replay that conversation in your head like a hundred times about all the things you were going to tell them. That's you just staying in it, right? And you're coaching yourself without even realizing it on just how to get over it emotionally. That, that's your solution is to talk to yourself and replay in your head all the things you would say to them. That's also a great tool to use with kids. It's called like wants and wishes, right? So you can, you know, you wish you could just go up to this kid at school that you don't like and say that. And you know that that's not actually okay to go and say that in real life, but you can do it and pretend. And you can do that with me. You can pretend I'm that kid and you can say it all to me and just let them all like bleh, right uh -huh. there onto yeah. you. And then, you know, the child will, again, just, you'll see this relaxation start to happen or even tears. Tears is a great sign that your child is moving towards acceptance. And that's a piece of resilience, acceptance. And then because once you have acceptance, now the possibilities become wide open and you can actually start to do something. One of the most difficult parts about parenting, in my opinion, is that all of their stuff brings up my stuff. So yeah. when they're upset, I can get upset. When a kid says something that I perceive, whether they meant it or not, I perceive it as disrespectful. It just you know, turns into this whole great big thing in my head. When we started talking, you mentioned that one of the challenges of parenting as a military spouse is like, you are sad about moving or being away from family. You've got your own stuff to deal with and your kids got their stuff to deal with. So talk about how you manage your stuff, both for your own peace and serenity and so you can effectively be present and help your children navigate through their stuff. Well, first I'll say, Anytime something's showing up for you in parenting that you hate, it's usually in large part because it's something you don't like about yourself. Ouch. That um, is likely so true, and I don't like hearing it. <laughs> so, for example, um, the emotions one is huge. If your kids are having a lot of emotions and you hate that and you want the emotions to stop, there's a, probably a huge piece in there that you being emotional is just not okay. And if you grew up in a home where you were told, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about or go to your room and you will be alone until you figure this out on your own. I am not here for you in this moment um, when you're at your worst. There's something about being angry or sad that's just not acceptable. It's totally inappropriate and it shows up as rejection. And so that's our own stuff that's really hard to work through and the only way to start working through that is to prove to yourself or look for the moments when emotions are right and how they serve us and looking for that proof because until you break that belief for yourself, you're sort of, you know, tied to it. 
when it shows up because it's hardwired into your brain from past experiences that happened long time ago. And your brain hardwired that because it was what you believed you needed to do to survive in this world. And if you had a parent who said, you know, or even if you are saying to your kids now, stop crying, you're doing it because it's what you think needs to be done in order to help your kids survive in this world. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? You would just stay there with them. So there's a huge love component that's showing up. So there's really no shame in those strategies. It's just thinking, you know, is this really getting me where I want to be with my kids? And it all circles back as you were talking. I was just imagining in my head the picture of your husband, this big Marine holding your son and just letting him cry and how it all circles back to how do you want your relationship to be with your child? Right. In their darkest hour, who do you want them to call? Where is his safe space? You just made me feel really good because my two oldest sons are out of the house, um, as our listeners probably know. And when my 21-year-old went through a, a breakup, a big breakup, he called me. Mm-hmm. We talked. Um, he's reached out a number of times. When my 19-year-old was so sick at college last week, he called me. He texted me. So I must be doing something right over here. Absolutely. And we love to think that young men are just sort of fly by the seat of their pants in relationship and that they don't care when a breakup happens because that's sort of how they act. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Heartbreak does not know gender. (laughs) It hurts all around. And you definitely see that being surrounded by Marines. I mean, Marines often, many of them are young breakups happen because distance challenges all of that it hurts well lauren i just so appreciate all of the work you're doing for so many people that are in this world that that are serving their country their families are far away from home and yet they're supportive of their spouses and we need you and we're so glad that you are serving as a lighthouse, a beacon for so many families. Thank you for having me and allowing me to be part of this important conversation. Absolutely. So where can our listeners find you? And we'll also put this in the show notes. You can find me at themilitarywifeandmom.com and you can find me on Facebook at The Military Wife and Mom. It's a page. So Lauren, if you could say anything to those moms out there who maybe their sons are starting to talk about going into the military. Maybe it's that young woman who's falling in love with someone who's in the military. What would you say to them? The big thing is that all growth is through acceptance. And I know I keep saying this, but when our kids grow up as much as we want to control them, we cannot. And taking a supportive role is much more likely to create the relationship you want long-term than to necessarily try to dictate their life choices. That, as hard as it is, probably is a lot more about us um, than it is about the kids' choices. And, you know, asking you know, how can I support you? And 
keeping that relationship going because you definitely want the door open. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom today. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Audible. We know that you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Go deeper with audio content from Audible. You can download a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free book and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.